Welcome to this week's Audio Digest edition of the Evening Times, from Friday the 17th to Thursday the 23rd of August 2018, read by volunteers at Q and Review Print Speaking to the Blind at our studios in the Bishopbriggs Media Centre. The headlines in Part 1. Anger over 70% rise in West End parking charges reaches Hillhead. Davy Hay, imperative that Brendan Rogers and Peter Laurel present United Front for good of Celtic. Warning to Rangers fans as trains are off ahead of Motherwell game. Gary McAllister pleased to see changes on and off the park, paying dividends for Rangers. Lawyers and Wigs sneaking into council gym, car park for free parking. Kilmarnock 1, Rangers 3. Alfredo Morelos is the hat-trick hero for Steven Gerrard's side. Glasgow patient tested positive for almost untreatable superbug CPE Klebsiella. GP surgery forced to close because of doctor shortage. Eastern Bartonshire Council to use glyphosate-based weed killers despite landmark US court case. Gary McAllister pleased to see changes on and off the park, paying dividends for Rangers. Sheriff takes pity on noisy woman who annoyed neighbours with her loud singing. Glasgow pensioner, 65, is placed on FBI's most wanted list and maybe in UK. Sarah May Philo, Glasgow teacher tells of positivity in cancer fight. Davy Hay, Europa League can be a suit Celtic in a long one. Evening Times, news. Recorded on the 17th of August, 2018. Anger over 70% rise in West End parking charges reaches Hillhead. By Holly Lennon. Outrage surrounding a 70% increase in parking permits for Glasgow residents has reached Hillhead. The area is the latest in the West End to be informed of the changes, which were brought in as part of the Glasgow City Council's annual budget. From August the 20th, the cost of an annual permit will rise from £50 to £85, or quarterly from £15 to £23.75. Stephen Johnston, who lives in Hillhead, said the increase could force him to give up his car completely. He explained, everything is going up except our wages. How are we supposed to afford this? We can barely even get a parking space, but are expected to pay such a big chunk of our income to our permit. I'll just have to give up my car if things keep going the way they are. The changes will also affect those coming to visit the area. It will now cost 20 pence per 15 minutes for up to an hour and 40 pence per 15 minutes thereafter. The costs were previously limited to 20 pence for the first 30 minutes, then 20 pence for every 10 minutes thereafter. Businesses have been given slight relief under plans as their permits will be reduced from £700 a year to £650 a year. Concerns have been raised that the costs could further damage trading for independent businesses, especially those on Byers Road. Increases will also be rolled out in Partick, Downhill and York Hill, with streets in Hindland, Uenden and Downhill West recently becoming subject to permits. Hillhead councillor Hanzala Malik said a number of constituents have approached him with concerns regarding the increase. He said people are feeling the pinch more than ever. The change is a large hike and the cost of everything seems to be going up. There has been an increase in council tax and utility bills continue to rise. Everything except from wages. Because there has been no consultation, people are not aware of what is happening and have no say in the matter. The transparency is gone. They want to know where their money is going because there hasn't been any improvement to the roads or even the parking meters. I would be hoped to encourage commuters to use public transport, but the bus services are not fit to purpose. For many families, a car isn't a luxury, it's a necessity. Councillor Ken Andrew added, residents' parking permits have not increased in price since they were first introduced in 2005. At 23 pence per day, 
they still represent excellent value for money. This increase, the first in 13 years, amounts to less than 10 pence per day. At this price, residents' parking permits continue to offer significant benefits to local communities, such as those around Byers Road and the wider West End. Having such a scheme in place reduces the amount of commuters parking on local streets, helping to ensure residents can park as close as possible to their own homes. The permits increase travel options for residents who can leave their car at home and travel by alternative means if they wish. There are further benefits to discouraging commuters from residential areas, including road safety, ease of access for emergency vehicles, and driving down emissions and congestion. A council spokesman said the measure was agreed at a meeting of the full council as part of the process to set our annual budget. Residents' parking permits offer significant benefits to local communities. Having a permit scheme in place reduces the amount of commuters parking on local streets, helping to ensure residents can park as close as possible to their own homes. The permits increase the travel option for residents who can leave their cars at home and travel to work by alternative means if they wish. Fewer parked cars also means greater road safety, particularly for pedestrians, and ease of access to streets for vehicles from the emergency and cleansing services. Communities are notified of the changes to the charges for parking permits in accordance with the relevant legislation. By Holly Lennon. This is an article from the Evening Times written by football columnist Davy Hay. 17th of August 2018. Davy Hay, imperative that Brendan Rodgers and Peter Laurel present united front for good of Celtic. Some of the criticism that has been aimed at Celtic since their Champions League qualifying exit to AEK Athens has been justified, and some has been over the top in my view. The result can't be changed, and all you can do as a club is try to move forward and remedy for areas of weakness. That goes for the problems on the pitch, and off it too. And there is little doubt in my mind that the friction behind the scenes for Celtic seeped its way into the field on Tuesday night. There have been outbursts from the manager over the lack of support from the board in its transfer market. And what I would say is the number one priority in terms of well-being of Celtic is that the fallout between the manager and Peter Lawwell is resolved quickly. There has to be a united front from Celtic now, above all else. There was also the issue of the manager very publicly refuting Deidre Boyota's version of events over his apparent injury, and that has caused more division, which is the last thing that Celtic needs right now. I was surprised that Boyota was given so much time off after the World Cup, even from a practical point of view. Celtic could have been doing with him for the qualifiers, but the longer he was away, then more likely it was in my view that his head would get turned around by the prospect of a move away. Before anyone calls me a hypocrite for criticising Boyata, I should point out that I actually went on strike as a player back in the 70s for two weeks because I was being messed about with a contract. It was a point of principle and it was through frustration more than anything. It was a different era and I was reflected on it as being pointless exercise in the end and I was back playing for the club soon enough. I don't see any way back for Boyotovo. It will be very difficult for him, and if he is to leave, then I will get him out the door as soon as possible. If Celtic want to make any impression on the Europa League, and also want to maintain their domestic dominance, then it is imperative that this so-called disharmony is quelled as soon as possible. Disunity within a club leads to the lack of success on the field. Simple as that. Perhaps Dermot Dismond can intervene and help to bring a resolution to a matter that whatever way you dress it up, 
it's not in the best interest of Celtic Football Club. Everyone on the Celtic board only wants what's best for the club, and the best for Celtic at this moment in time is to present a united front. To me, there is a fault on all sides, and if they acknowledge that then hopefully there can be some common ground found in the middle that will be to the benefit of the club. Peter Lowell is normally one of the best in the business when it comes to negotiations. With the John McGinn transfer, he appears to have slipped up. But until recently, it appears to me as if Brendan has been backed with everything that he was wanted. For whatever reason, that seems to have changed from what the manager is saying. And believe me, if a disharmony is maintained, then it will lead to less successful football club. There has to be a coming together, because there is no doubt in my mind that both Brendan and Peter are the best men to be in those positions to take Celtic forward. Celtic have to build upon what they have achieved over the past two years and ensure that this blip in the progression at the club under Brendan is nipped in the bud as quickly as possible. You won't convince me you can't get a better team than those two, and if you're telling me there is a better chief executive in football than Peter Laurel, then I don't see it. After such a successful spell, this has all seemed to come out of left field almost at Celtic, and it is simply has to stop if the club are going to get back on an even keel. This was an article written by football columnist Davy Hay. The Evening Times On Monday, the 20th of August, 2018 Sport Warning to Rangers fans as trains are off ahead of Motherwell game. This article by Stacey Mullen, reporter. Rangers fans have been warned to prepare alternative travel for the Motherwell game next Sunday, with all trains in the area off. The club's supporter liaison officer retweeted a message from a fan on social media about site Twitter, which said there will be no trains running when the site take on the Steelmen at Fir Park. The services have all been cancelled to allow for major infrastructure enhancements on the lines in the area. Glasgow Central to Motherwell and Lanark services will be cancelled, with replacement buses on offer. This article was by Stacey Mullen, reporter. Here at q and Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976 or email us at information at The Evening Times Sport Recorded on the 22nd of August, 2018 Gary McAllister pleased to see changes on and off the park paying dividends for Rangers By Group Senior Sports Writer, Christopher Jack there have been changes, but not for changes' sake. Some are more visible than others, but they are all part of the new blueprint for Rangers. The overall of the playing squad stands out as the most obvious alteration that Steven Gerrard has made this summer, but he is as much about the small details as he is the bigger picture. On the park, signings like Alan McGregor, Connor Goldson and Lasana Kolebele have already made their presence felt. Off it, the remodelling work has been designed to get the best out of them and others going forward. The facilities at the Hummel Training Centre have been upgraded. While work continues behind the scenes at Ibrox to ensure every area of the club, from top to bottom, operates as efficiently and effectively as possible. Gerrard was followed from Liverpool to Glasgow by Gary McAllister, Michael Beale and Tom Culshaw, as he put pen to paper on a four-year deal and kicked off his Rangers revolution. And the Light Blues assistant manager is pleased with the buy-in across the board, as steps forward have been taken in the opening weeks of the campaign. 
From arriving, we are welcomed brilliantly here, and the response from the players has been outstanding, McAllister said. A lot of change. You'll notice change in this building as we try to futurise it a bit. The main thing has been the way the players have adapted to it, and a lot of changes in training method, mentality, fitness levels, and the pre-season training. I think there was an acceptance that their fitness had to jump up, and it has. Everybody gave everything every day. I can't remember one dissenting voice. Generally, on a pre-season, there are players saying, when are we going to see a football? But right from the start, they have brought into it. I think the fact that demands have been pretty tough in the last three or four weeks since we started back, the core fitness and training has stood them in good stead. Supporters have been encouraged with the early signs of progress this term, as Gerard and his new recruits have made a positive impression at the start of the campaign. But the work that has gone on behind closed doors, or behind the blue gates at Auchenhowie, has been just as important for McAllister. The dressing room and the canteen are the two places where the players spend most of their time, and we want an environment where players want to be here, he said. We don't want them to come and train and jump in their car and go away for lunch or whatever they do, we want them to spend time here. The food has been elevated, the canteen has been completely refurbed, the dressing room has been completely refurbed as well. There's a lot of wood here so we have lost a lot of wood and just brightened it up and futurised the place. It's a big facility, it's been here 18 years I think. That quality is something you associate with Rangers. Jared has been the catalyst for change at Ibrox, but it is those that he has brought on board this summer that will determine his fate in his first season as a boss. The first transfer window is always going to be the most significant for a new manager, as he puts his stamp on the squad and wheels and deals in the market. I think the core of the work has been done and we are looking fairly settled, McAllister said. There will be a tweak here and there. We've lost a couple of players, so strengthening those areas where we lost is to make sure we have got cover because the demands on certain individuals might be too much. We need to be able to rotate because if we can deal with the Russian side and get into the Europa League proper, there are going to be demands, not just on 11 players. That is something that the manager and the staff have emphasised, and with the demands of getting into the Europa League, it's going to be 18 players. You can't have the same 11 turning out performances and games with the travel and quick turnovers, it's impossible. The arrival of Gerrard has revitalised Rangers and re-energised the Ibrox crowd this season, and momentum as results have been gathered for this term. Continental wins over Shakupi, Ozijek and Maraba have taken Rangers to the Europa League playoff round, and now UFA stands between them and a place in the group stages. The results are all that have mattered so far, but McAllister reckons the team spirit that has been forged on those trips has been crucial for the Jers. I think it is massively important and it's a really good point, he said. I have been fortunate enough to have good runs in UEFA tournaments, and the objective is purely to get through to the next round in the early stages before it goes to a league format. Nobody ever remembers some performances that are maybe not that good, because you have just got to grind, and there are periods of the game you have to see out. One of the biggest examples was speaking to people who have won at European level. Yes, they remember semi-finals and finals and the performances, but nobody remembers the early rounds when they were behind the old Iron Curtain and ground out results. It was a togetherness with everybody and I think we have seen that in all the games away from home. There have been periods of the matches where we have been under the cosh and had some really good tackles and blocks and that is very encouraging for the manager. By Group Senior Sports Writer, Christopher Jack. This is an article from the Evening Times. Written by local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson, 17th of August 2018. Lawyers and Whigs sneaking into council gym car park for free parking. For solicitors are among many people trying to avoid city street parking charges by leaving their cars in Gobble's Leisure Centre car park according to Glasgow Life. NHS staff and students have also been accused of chasing down gym members to get free parking in the car park. Bill Hayburn, Glasgow Life Area Manager, made the claim as he spoke about new parking restrictions at the Gobbles Leisure Centre. 
The Glasgow Cup facility reopened in January after undergoing a 1.5 million refurbishment, which included installing barriers in the car park to exclude non-members. Despite that, Mr Hairburn claimed medical staff, visitors to the City of Glasgow College and lawyers going to the Sheriff and High Courts nearby are still sneaking in. Speaking to the members of the Southside Central Area Partnership, he said, We would like the car park to be available for everyone using the centre. You could get in the car park now, but you can't get out unless you have a code. A lot of people are still slipstreaming, and we've had NHS employees and people from the City of Glasgow Council and shortened members demanding a number. We've had many years of rep members who can't get into the car park. We're still working on identifying from City of Glasgow College for NHS building. We've had solicitors in their rigs coming over and parking there. Mr Heron also spoke about the new features of the Leisure Club, which was transformed as a part of a £7.5 million programme, which includes Tollcross and Scotton. He continued, We didn't previously have enough fitness provision, and the changing rooms were poor. The health suite was located on the first floor, which nobody could understand. On January 13th this year, we reopened a venue, which is a fantastic new showers and toilets, a stunning spin studio, hostelic studio and a functional studio. It has an improved fitness hall and gym. Our members' sales have more than doubled, usage visits have more than doubled, and we do employ mystery visitors to undertake visitors to all our Glasgow clubs. In 2017, Gobbles was 12th in satisfaction, but in March this year, we moved up to second. This was an article written by local democracy reporter, Eddie Harbinson. The Evening Times. On Monday, the 20th of August, 2018. Sport. Kilmarnock 1, Rangers 3. Alfredo Morelos is the hat-trick hero for Steven Gerrard's side. This article by Christopher Jack, Group Senior Sports Writer. When it comes to transfer fees, a player is only really worth what someone's willing to pay for them. Alfredo Morelos is starting to show he's priceless for Rangers, though. The striker was the subject of a £3.75 million bid from Bordeaux on the eve of the Europa League clash with Maribor last week, but shrugged off speculation over his future with a bullish performance to help Steven Gerrard's side progress to the playoff round. It was a team effort in Slovenia, but at Rugby Park, Morelos was very much the man of the moment as he fired Rangers into the last eight of the Betfred Cup. He was the hat-trick hero and match winner. Gerrard insisted before the trip to Kilmarnock that he would need to spend three times what Bordeaux did to replace his star striker, as he dismissed the offer as derisory and disrespectful. Right now it doesn't make football sense for Rangers to sell Morelos. Gerard will hope he doesn't have to make a financial decision any time soon. The form of Morelos has been one of the main positives in the opening weeks of the campaign. There was another reason for Gerard to be cheerful here, as his side moved one small step closer to Hamden. The win came at a price though, with Jamie Murphy leaving Rugby Park on a stretcher after sustaining a knee injury early on. And that could prove to be a huge negative for Rangers, but it was the only one here as Steve Clark's side were seen off. With the first leg against Ufa to come midweek, Gerrard had to strike the balance between making changes to keep his side fresh, while ensuring the Gers were still strong enough to overcome a tricky test on their return to domestic action. There was no place in the squad for the man of the match in Maribor, as Alan McGregor dropped out and Wes Fodringham made his first competitive start of the campaign. The other changes saw Borna Barisic return as left-back, as Andy Halliday reverted to a more natural midfield berth, while Ryan Kent took over from Daniel Candeas. And it was the on-loan Liverpool kid that helped carve out Rangers' first opening of the game after just seven minutes. Kent and James Tavernier combined down the right, and the winger picked out Morelos. 
His shot from close range was hooked clear by Stephen O'Donnell, but not before the ball had crossed the line. Linesman Daniel McFarlane kept his flag down though, and referee Nick Walsh didn't signal for a goal. It was the wrong call, and Rangers were denied a dream start in Ayrshire. That was a setback that they could recover from, but there was no comeback for Murphy as his afternoon was unfortunately ended prematurely. Kirk Broadfoot challenged him for a long ball down the channel, and his knee twisted badly as he planted his foot. He knew straight away as it was a bad one. Assistance quickly arrived on the scene as Murphy was treated for a couple of minutes before being stretchered off, as Candeas took his place on the right flank. For Murphy and Gerrard, it was a real blow. Thankfully for Rangers, it wasn't followed by the concession of the opening goal of the afternoon, as Fodringham followed up an early save from a Chris Burke free kick with an even better block after the former Gers winger whipped in a low cross. And that was as close as Killy would come before Morelos took the game away from them. The Colombian had been denied when Daniel Bachman made a smart stop with his legs, but made no mistake with his next effort. Rangers worked the ball well from left to right through Halliday and Candeas, and Tavernier had time and space on the flank. His cross found Morelos, and the striker nodded home at the back post for his fourth goal of the campaign. He wasn't finished there. Before the break, he would have his fifth as Rangers doubled their advantage and took a significant step towards the next round. Kilmarnock had again threatened as Broadfoot's header clipped the top of Fodringham's bar, while Scott Arfield covered a free kick just over at the other end. With half-time approaching, Morelos came to the fore once again, and the travelling support had another opportunity to serenade the striker. Scott Boyd failed to deal with a long ball from Tavernier, and Morelos showed strength and determination to spin the defender and set up his chance. The finish was low and clinical as he found the opposite corner of Bachman's net. That should have been that for Rangers, but Kilmarnock had a route back into form from an unlucky source just six minutes after the restart. Jordan Jones beat Arfield easily on the left, and Chris Boyd couldn't convert from close range. The ball still landed up in the net though, with Barisic unable to clear at the back post. One of the main traits that Gerard's side have shown this term is the ability to deal with adversity, and that characteristic came to the fore once again. There was no panic as they settled back into their game and they had further openings as Morelos's effort was saved by Bachman before Arfield came close with a low effort after good work from Candeas down the right. The final stages could have been nervy for Rangers. Morelos ensured they were celebratory, however, as he completed his hat-trick. Oviagaria and Arfield were involved in the build-up. Tavernier got the assist once again. From just yards out, Morelos rounded off a neat move with a simple finish. His name was chanted once again as he got the standing ovation he deserved when Omar Sadiq replaced him at the head of the attack. The only noise was coming from the Rangers fans at either end of Rugby Park. Another win had been earned and was more than deserved, and supporters are becoming even more optimistic that they will have plenty to sing about in the coming months. This article was by Christopher Jack, Group Senior Sports Writer. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 23rd of August, 2018. Glasgow patient tested positive for almost untreatable superbug CPE Klebsiella. By senior reporter Caroline Wilson. Six cases of a superbug described as almost untreatable by experts were identified at a Glasgow hospital. NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde confirmed one patient treated at the spinal injuries unit based on the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital was infected with CPE Klebsiella. The other cases had been in contact with the first patient but did not require treatment. CPE is carried harmlessly in the gut but may kill if it enters the bloodstream through a wound of a patient who is already sick or frail. The bug is more common in patients who have been treated in hospitals overseas. Figures show about 40-50% to of patients with a CPE bloodstream infection die. 
The health board said the first case, which was identified in June, had not had any health care abroad, but subsequent screening of other patients who were deemed contacts of the first case identified a patient who had been treated overseas. NHS GGC said the screening of other patients who were discharged to other health board areas was ongoing. By senior reporter Caroline Wilson. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by senior reporter Caroline Wilson. 17th of August 2018. GP surgery forced to close because of doctor shortage. Rosemount Medical Group, which has around 4,500 patients, will shut its doors in January. In a statement on the Aberdeen Surgery's website, the partners expressed their deepest regret at the move. Earlier this year, NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde admitted it did not have enough doctors to staff out the hours, health centres overnight. Only the Lomond Primary Care Emergency Centre at Vale of Leven Hospital in Western Bartonshire was open on Sunday, June 18th. Helen Gregory, Principal GP of Rosemount Medical Group, said, The partners and staff have enjoyed caring for our patients and their families over the years, and so this has been an extremely difficult decision for us. Unfortunately, we find ourselves in a position of not being able to recruit to GP vacancies, and we have two GP retirements in the near future. We wish to assure our patients that we will continue to provide high-quality care for them until the end of January next year, and we thank them for their loyalty. The group said it was working with Aberdeen City Health and Social Care Partnership to look at alternatives. The Partnership Interim Chief Officer Sally Shaw said like many practices across the country, Rosemount Medical Group has found it challenging to maintain a full practice team. The doctors have now made the difficult decision to end their contract with NHS Grampian at the end of January 2019. GP services will continue as normal at Rosemount over the next six months. There is no need for patients to change their practice at this time. Over the coming weeks and months, we will be working to ensure that all of Rosemount's patients continue to have access to general medical services beyond January 2019. All patients, staff and skateholders will be kept fully informed of developments. This was an article written by senior reporter Caroline Wilson. The Evening Times, on Monday the 20th of August 2018. News. Eastern Bartonshire Council to use glyphosate-based weed killers despite landmark US court case. This article unattributed. Eastern Bartonshire Council has confirmed it will continue to use glyphosate-based weed killers despite a landmark court case in America. Chemicals company Monsanto, which manufactures Roundup and other herbicide products, was ordered to pay former groundskeeper Dwayne Johnson $289 million in damages after jurors in San Francisco determined his terminal cancer was caused by the chemicals he worked with. Monsanto intends to appeal the ruling and continues to deny any link between glyphosate and cancer. It faces another 4,000 court cases across America. 
Yvonne Bauer, Strategic Lead, Place and Community Planning, said, Eastern Bartonshire Council currently utilises weed control products which have glyphosate as their active ingredient. No policy decision has been taken on the continued use of glyphosate products by the council, but we will continue to monitor the information being provided by the relevant industry advisory groups on safe use of chemicals. Beth Webb, Policy Manager at Soil Association Scotland, said, This is a dramatic blow to the future use of glyphosate, which affirms the 2015 decision of the International Agency for Research on Cancer, the World Health Organization's cancer agency, which found glyphosate to be a probable carcinogen. We need to urgently change our systems of weed control to stop relying on herbicides. It was disturbing in this case to hear that Monsanto had knowledge of the potentially harmful effects, but the court case also really highlights the problem with relying on chemical pesticides globally, as so little is known about the long-term environmental and health impacts. We continue to call to our stop to spraying this chemical on crops at harvest time and to its use in parks and gardens, and for a thorough rethink of pesticide regulations. In June, Monsanto was taken over by German firm Bayer in a merger deal worth over $60 billion. In a statement, Bayer said, Bayer is confident, based on the strength of the science, the conclusions of regulators around the world and decades of experience, that glyphosate is safe for use and does not cause cancer when used according to labelling. This article was unattributed. The Evening Times Sport Recorded on the 22nd of August, 2018. Gary McAllister pleased to see changes on and off the park paying dividends for Rangers. By group senior sports writer, Christopher Jack. There have been changes, but not for changes' sake. Some are more visible than others, but they are all part of the new blueprint for Rangers. The overall of the playing squad stands out as the most obvious alteration that Stephen Gerrard has made this summer, but he is as much about the small details as he is the bigger picture. On the park, signings like Alan McGregor, Connor Goldson and Lasana Kolebele have already made their presence felt. Off it, the remodelling work has been designed to get the best out of them and others going forward. The facilities at the Hummel Training Centre have been upgraded. While work continues behind the scenes at Ibrox to ensure every area of the club, from top to bottom, operates as efficiently and effectively as possible. Gerrard was followed from Liverpool to Glasgow by Gary McAllister, Michael Beale and Tom Culshaw as he put pen to paper on a four-year deal and kicked off his Rangers revolution. And the Light Blues assistant manager is pleased with the buy-in across the board, as steps forward have been taken in the opening weeks of the campaign. From arriving, we are welcomed brilliantly here, and the response from the players has been outstanding, McAllister said. A lot of change. You'll notice change in this building as we try to futurise it a bit. The main thing has been the way the players have adapted to it, and a lot of changes in training method, mentality, fitness levels, and the pre-season training. I think there was an acceptance that their fitness had to jump up, and it has. Everybody gave everything every day. I can't remember one dissenting voice. Generally, on a pre-season, there are players saying, when are we going to see a football? But right from the start, they have brought into it. I think the fact that demands have been pretty tough in the last three or four weeks since we started back, the core fitness and training has stood them in good stead. Supporters have been encouraged with the early signs of progress this term, as Gerard and his new recruits have made a positive impression at the start of the campaign. But the work that has gone on behind closed doors or behind the blue gates at Auchenhowie has been just as important for McAllister. The dressing room and the canteen are the two places where the players spend most of their time and we want an environment where players want to be here, he said. We don't want them to come and train and jump in their car and go away for lunch or whatever they do. We want them to spend time here. The food has been elevated. The canteen has been completely refurbed. The dressing room has been completely refurbed as well. 
And there's a lot of wood here, so we have lost a lot of wood and just brightened it up and futurized the place. It's a big facility. It's been here 18 years, I think. That quality is something you associate with Rangers. Jared has been the catalyst for change at Ibrox, but it is those that he has brought on board this summer that will determine his fate in his first season as a boss. The first transfer window is always going to be the most significant for a new manager, as he puts his stamp on the squad and wheels and deals in the market. I think the core of the work has been done and we are looking fairly settled, McAllister said. There will be a tweak here and there. We've lost a couple of players, so strengthening those areas where we lost is to make sure we have got cover because the demands on certain individuals might be too much. We need to be able to rotate because if we can deal with the Russian side and get into the Europa League proper, there are going to be demands, not just on 11 players. That is something that the manager and the staff have emphasised, and with the demands of getting into the Europa League, it's going to be 18 players. You can't have the same 11 turning out performances in games with the travel and quick turnovers. It's impossible. The arrival of Gerrard has revitalised Rangers and re-energised the Ibrox crowd this season, and momentum as results have been gathered for this term. Continental wins over Shikupi, Ozijek and Maraba have taken Rangers to the Europa League playoff round, and now UFA stands between them and a place in the group stages. The results are all that have mattered so far, but McAllister reckons the team spirit that has been forged on those trips have been crucial for the Jers. I think it is massively important and it's a really good point, he said. I have been fortunate enough to have good runs in UEFA tournaments, and the objective is purely to get through to the next round in the early stages before it goes to a league format. Nobody ever remembers some performances that are maybe not that good, because you have just got to grind, and there are periods of the game you have to see out. One of the biggest examples was speaking to people who have won at European level. Yes, they remember semi-finals and finals and their performances, but nobody remembers the early rounds when they were behind the old iron curtain and ground out results. It was a togetherness with everybody and I think we have seen that in all the games away from home. There have been periods of the matches where we have been under the cosh and had some really good tackles and blocks and that is very encouraging for the manager. By Group Senior Sports Writer, Christopher Jack. This is an article from the Evening Times written by Group Content Editor, Janice Mitchell. 17th of August 2018. Sheriff takes pity on noisy woman who annoyed neighbours with her loud singing. A noisy young woman who annoyed neighbours with her loud music has avoided further punishment after a sheriff took pity. Sheriff Annan Findlay told Emma Gorman, Right, Miss Gorman, you have had a night in the jail and you've got a criminal record, that's enough. Police have been called to the 24-year-old's accused address on numerous occasions over noise complaints. She was warned about her actions but continued to play music loudly as well as singing, shouting and swearing. The incident happened on January 14, 2018. At Glasgow Sheriff Court this week, Gorman pleaded guilty to operating a television that would give another person reasonable cause for annoyance. She also admitted failing to desist when asked by police constables, shouting, swearing and acting in an aggressive manner. Defendant Paul Anderson stated, It was a house party. It was noisy. Police have attended and Miss Gorman reacted in the manner described. Gorman of Storen Street was therefore admonished. This was an article written by group content editor Janice Mitchell. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts. For free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme.
The Evening Times, on Monday, the 20th of August, 2018. News. Glasgow pensioner, 65, is placed on FBI's most wanted list and may be in UK. This article by Stacey Mullen, reporter. The FBI has launched a manhunt for a Glasgow-born pensioner who's wanted for fraud. Scott James Alexander Ward is wanted for his alleged involvement in a precious metals fraud scheme that operated in Florida from September 2007 to March 2010. In an appeal, the FBI state that Ward, 65, allegedly operated an entity called Castle and Hawk Incorporated, which solicited investors to buy precious metals such as gold, silver and platinum on a leveraged basis. Listeners, please note, Castle and Hawk Incorporated Castle is spelled with a K rather than the conventional C. Instead of investing the approximately $400,000 Ward received from at least 12 investors, he allegedly used the money for his own personal use and benefit. No precious metals were ever acquired for investors. A federal arrest warrant was issued for Ward in the United States District Court, Southern District of Florida, in Miami, Florida, on September 6, 2012, after he was charged with wire fraud. The wanted pensioner may travel within the United Kingdom, including England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. He may also travel to Canada and Mexico. He has previously resided in Miami Beach, Florida. This article was by Stacey Mullen, reporter. Evening Times. News. Cards on the 21st of August, 2018. Sarah May Philo, Glasgow teacher tells of positivity and cancer fight. By columnist slash reporter, Catriona Stewart. For Sarah May Philo, there was no warning anything was wrong. A teacher, she was busy with the run-up to Christmas and all the socialising that comes with the festive season. But in early December last year, the 34-year-old woke up to see her concerned boyfriend telling her an ambulance was on its way. Sarah May had suffered a seizure in her sleep and had been totally reeling for 45 minutes afterwards. Even then, she and partner, Paul Griffin, known as Graf, hadn't thought there was much to worry about. Sarah May, who also performs stand-up comedy, said, Much later, Griff said he didn't think I would recover that night. He thought I had serious brain damage. But afterwards, I was totally blasé about the whole thing. Because after the seizure, those around us weren't panicking or saying this is serious, or that there was anything to worry about. I work with kids who have seizures all the time, too. The last thing the doctor said to me was, I'll book you in for an MRI, but I don't think anything's going to come of it. The seizure was December the 6th, and Sarah May had a three-month wait for the MRI scan, which she had on February the 28th. Less than 24 hours later, a doctor from the Queen Elizabeth University Hospital called to say a bed was waiting for her. Sarah May, who is also a talented singer, added, They were very, very calm, and that was sort of misleading. I distinctly remember saying to the guy on the phone, Is this serious? And he paused. That was the only time there was silence on the line. They told me to get my partner to drive me and not to come in alone. The scan had revealed a huge tumour in Sarah May's brain. Technically, it was a type called an oligodendroglioma. But using the sense of humour that saw her through her cancer treatment, Sarah May named it Roger. When the news was brought to her, Sarah May struggled to comprehend it, so she asked to see her for herself. She said, The doctor kept saying a significant amount of tumour had taken over my brain, and I kept asking what that meant, so I thought it would be easiest to see the scan. When she brought up the scan, it looked like a half a brain. It was so big. I must have been in shock, because the first thing I thought was, how fascinating. I had just been living with this, and going to school, and meeting my friends, and carrying on with this large thing in my head. The next step for Sarah May was surgery to remove as much of the tumour as possible, and she was going to have to be awake for most of the operation. To get her through what turned out to be a 12-hour surgery, Sarah May kept the surgical teen entertained by telling jokes from her stand-up career and singing opera. 
She said, Well, the surgery was tough. I had thought that I would have the operation and then be fine. I thought I would be back in school afterwards, so it didn't really hit until after the surgery. It was in a post-operative meeting with one of the surgical team that Sarah May finally realised she had cancer. She added, The doctor said it had been a grade 2 tumour, but now it's a grade 2 slash 3. It is slow growing and he was saying all the technical stuff. I stopped him halfway and said, Is this cancer? I was the first person to use the C word. He looked at me like I was crazy and said, Of course it's cancer. Chemo had been mentioned, but I hadn't connected chemo with cancer, which seems ridiculous and stupid, but hearing the word cancer, I was absolutely shocked. That's when it really hit home. Sarah May had been supported by oncologist Dr. Alan James and clinical oncologist Dr. Stefan Nowicki. She is also full of praise for Myrie McKinnon, specialist oncology nurse who literally held my hand. After surgery, she was seen by her first Beatson doctor. Sarah May said, I remember sitting staring at her Beatson landyard and thinking, This isn't going well. She said to me, this tumour is never going to leave your brain. It's just going to come back and back and back. You can live with it for years. It's never going to go. You could have heard a pin drop. A few weeks earlier, I'd been perfectly healthy. I'd been running around with the kids and going to the Christmas fair at night. I kept thinking, but nothing's wrong with me. Sarah May started writing a blog about her experience, which she describes as an important crutch that helped her keep going. Before chemotherapy, she had a round of IVF in order to harvest and freeze her eggs in hope of starting a family one day. She described chemotherapy as really tough, with the treatment making her feel properly ill for the first time. Adjusting to her new situation was also difficult. Sarah May said, I thought, I have to come to terms with the fact that unless I'm hit by a bus one day, this will kill me. And that was a lot to deal with. The thought still flickers across my head, but much less often now. And when I think morbid thoughts like that, I remember that in 20 or 30 years time I could have a heart attack, any number of things might kill me. There are far, far worse situations to be in. People are diagnosed and told they have a couple of months to live. I feel lucky. I feel I've dodged the bullet. Following 10 months of chemotherapy, Sarah May then endured 6 weeks of daily radiotherapy. The hardest part, she said, was losing her hair. She added, I had a 5 minute cry in the shower about it, then pulled myself together and was like, okay, next. But I did feel the lowest I'd felt when clumps of my hair were coming out. In between chemotherapy and radiotherapy, there was happy news for Sarah May when Griff proposed out of the blue following a weekend away. Sarah May said she was totally, totally taken aback, and the couple will now marry in June next year. She previously featured in the Evening Times in 2016 when she was mugged at Knife Point in Deniston. Her attacker has since been jailed. Following the end of radiotherapy, Sarah May was struck with somnolence syndrome, a rare side effect to the treatment. It left her sleeping 20 hours a day and in a deep depression. She said, my whole brain had changed overnight and I didn't know what it was. It was a feeling, a sense of loss and grief and pain. I cried every single day and I never cried. It was frightening. It was the lowest point I've been in the whole year. I lost my coping mechanisms and it was just two weeks of absolute agony and horror. And then one morning I woke up and lifted out of it. Now she is at the end of her treatment and planning a wedding. Sarah May's friends have formed an ACDC tribute band and next week will play a show to raise cash for the Beatson. The band is formed of Griff on bass, best friend Maria Evantelme or Bonnie Scott on stage singing, her husband Rick Evantelme on guitar, Martin Wallace on drums and Neil Monk on lead guitar. When they take to the stage on Blackfriars in the Merchant City, it will be a dream come true for lifelong ACDC fan Rick, a professional viola player. Rick said, Ever since Sarah May got ill, she and Griff have been through everything you can imagine, so when it comes to putting on a show, we wanted to do it in aid of the Beatson. You would never want to put yourself in that position but I can't imagine being as positive and stoic as Sarah May. I have never heard her complain. She's amazing. Sarah May added, I'm feeling very good. I'm back to school and the kids are asking about my bald head. It's funny and lovely, 
and everybody is back to normal and that makes me feel normal. My wedding is next year and that will be the best day ever. I'm just overwhelmed by what the band has done. I'll see all my friends and it will be an opportunity to celebrate finally at the end of treatment and it will be wonderful. By columnist slash reporter, Catriona Stewart. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by football columnist Davy Hay. 17th of August 2018. Davy Hay, Europa League can be a suit Celtic in the long run. There is obviously huge disappointment that Celtic are not going to be in the Champion League this season, but they still have to lift themselves somehow for the Europa League. Yes, it isn't a prestigious tournament, but it's still a European football and Celtic have to take it seriously. They are where they are, and they have to make sure that they qualify for their group stages. Ironically enough, Celtic may well be better equipped to do well in the Europa League rather than the Champion Leagues. If they can get themselves together, a long run in the competition is realistic. This was an article written by football columnist Davy Hay. This is the end of part one. After a short break, we'll be coming back in part two with more great articles from the Evening Times. This is a message from the NFB UK, the National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom. What is NFB UK? The National Federation of the Blind of the United Kingdom, NFBUK, is a self-help organisation of blind, partially sighted and deaf-blind people helping each other to help ourselves. It's an independent, non-political charity that campaigns for greater rights, citizenship and independent living. How does NFBUK work? We have a network of branches around the country where members and supporters can meet locally. The branches keep our members in touch with their local community and represent their views to local and national authorities and society in general. We provide information for our members in Braille, large print, audio and electronic formats. We work with local and national organisations to improve the quality of life for all blind, partially sighted, deaf-blind people and those whose sight impairment is part of multi-disability. NFB UK campaigns to defend essential benefits and social care services and seeks wider provision of these services and equipment to help us lead independent lives. We have local branches around the country and are aiming to open new branches in more areas. What are the benefits of joining NFB UK? You meet other blind, partially sighted and deafblind people with an interest in peer support, campaigning and making a difference. Members decide and shape which issues and campaigns to focus on and you decide how you want to work on campaigns. It's free to join this year. You will benefit from our special offer of one year's free membership. You can receive regular updates and share information through newsletter, e-group and our audio magazine for members. Founded in 1947, we have played a leading role in Articles for the Blind postal concessions, the retention of different banknote sizes according to denomination and tactile street paving. Current Issues We are currently active in issues around shared spaces and the built environment, disabled students' allowance, social care and rehabilitation, and the NHS and accessible information standards. Join us! If you are blind, partially sighted or deafblind, become a full member. We welcome sighted people to join as associate members. Any donation you can make will assist us to further our campaigning. For more information, visit www.nfbuk.org. Contact us via post, NFBUK, Sir John Wilson House, 215 Kirkgate, Wakefield, West Yorkshire, 
WF11JG. That's Whiskey Foxtrot 1, 1 Juliet Golf. Telephone us 01924 291 313 or email admin at nfbuk.org. Also on Twitter and Facebook at nfbuk. Now back to the main programme. Welcome back. The headlines in part two. Bridgerton needs many things. Michelle Moon's overprivileged daughter is not one of them. David Hay, flack aimed at Jack Hendry after Celtic defeat is unfair. Glasgow drug dealers use Instagram to sell sweets laced with high-strength cannabis. Govan Graving Docks owners shun ship's plan for sight. Glasgow schools and home care could be affected as union takes first step to strike. Get it up, ye. Shetland actors in hysterics as Glasgow punter yells over filming. Glasgow won't be flogging off the dally to cover equal pay bills. Search for teenagers sexually assaulted on Camsbalang train platform. Glasgow traffic. Heavy showers make tricky rush hour driving conditions. Kirsty Maxwell, politicians plea for more support for families. Players aren't at any increased risk of injury on artificial pitches and can pass the AstroTurf test by doing the 11+. Stephen Gerrard tells heroic Rangers performance after Europa League triumph against Maribor. Libby MacArthur, can you imagine life with a disability? Govan Graving Docks owners shun ship's plan for sight. Eastern Bartonshire Council to use glyphosate-based weed killers despite landmark US court case. Pope's visit an opportunity to end the cover-ups. Orange Order refused to re-parade away from church, forcing council to impose new routes. Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 17th of August, 2018. Bridgerton needs many things. Michelle Moon's overprivileged daughter is not one of them. By political correspondent Stuart Patterson. Who do you think has the most to gain from the new TV show, Born Famous, where children of celebrity parents visit deprived areas? They will spend time in areas where their famous parents grew up, supposedly to see what life could have been like for them. The show will feature the daughter of Michelle Moan, who, with her ex-husband, built up a successful underwear brand. For some reason, 19-year-old Bethany will visit Bridgeton, despite her mother reportedly growing up in Deniston. According to Channel 4, the children of celebrities will be paired with a local teenager to find out how their lives would have turned out, had their parents not found success, wealth and fame. Gordon Ramsay's son Jack will feature. The show is made by Studio Ramsay, which just happens to be owned by the famous chef. Spice Girl, Mel B's daughter, Phoenix Chi, and ex-footballer Paul Ince's daughter, Rhea, will also feature. Ms Moan has been criticised for her involvement. The local MP, Alison Fulis, said... It was utterly despicable exploitation. Spending a week or few in Bridgerton will not give young Bethany the faintest idea of what it is like to be raised in one of the most deprived areas in the UK. She may well see things and hear stories she has never heard before, but it will not make her understand what life is like, or what could have been like. She will never understand the despair some people feel at struggling by on benefits, the hopelessness of long-term unemployment or succession of insecure low-paid jobs, or the anguish of losing people to the worst ravages of drug addiction. I doubt she will even recognise the sense of community among the many people striving against the odds to make the area better. It is once more a television production company poking its lens into the lives of poor people as a curiosity for middle-class viewers. 
It may well be a springboard to celebrity for young Ms Moan or Master Ramsey, and appearances on I'm a Celebrity, Dancing on Ice, In the Jungle or whatever may beckon. But for the teenagers they are paired with, what will become of them? Remember The Scheme, a well-made documentary which made some of the residents of Onfank and Ayrshire famous for 15 minutes? Or Benefit Street, which made some of the Birmingham residents' household names for a month or so? It didn't have any impact on poverty in these areas. Benefited the subjects little, if at all. Instead, they were exploited for voyeuristic purposes. Before the cameras packed up and on to the next stop on the Poverty Express. Next stop will be Bridgeton, with its low life expectancy, health inequality, chronic unemployment and drug problems. Michelle Moan is a Tory peer in the House of Lords, appointed by David Cameron. She has friends in high places who have real influence and who could make a difference if they wanted to. Perhaps she would do better convincing Theresa May or some of the cabinet to spend a week living in Bridgeton. Bridgeton is in need of many things. The overprivileged daughter of Michelle Moan, using it as a step on the celebrity ladder, is not one of them. By political correspondent Stuart Patterson. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by football columnist Davy Hay. 17th of August 2018. David Hay. Flack aimed at Jack Hendry after Celtic defeat is unfair. There has been a lot of flack aimed at Jack Hendry in the last couple of weeks, but I think it's unfair. He's 23, and while that is not young in football terms, he lacks experience at the top level. The fault doesn't lie with Hendry for the defeat in Athens, but the Celtics defending collectively. Brendan Rodgers described the goal Celtic lost as soft. That was being kind. If you lose goals like that, you don't deserve to go through. Looking beyond the goals, they were actually a little bit unlucky not to turn it around. If they had another five minutes, they probably would have. Would it have been different in Athens had the defence been strengthened? Very possibly. Some of these same players were making these mistakes long before Jack Hendry was on the scene. This is an article written by football columnist Davy Hay. The Evening Times, on Monday the 20th of August 2018. News. Glasgow drug dealers use Instagram to sell sweets laced with high-strength cannabis. This article unattributed. Drug dealers in Glasgow are selling sweets laced with high-strength cannabis to kids on the social media website Instagram, cops have warned. The so-called medibles, marijuana edibles, are the latest way to package drugs according to top detectives, and the problem is Scotland-wide. It's understood that the drugs, which look like chocolate treats such as Smarties and Mars products, are being sold to school pupils at the click of a button and are full of high-strength cannabis called skunk. The drugs contain the powerful THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, the main psychoactive component of cannabis. The Mail on Sunday carried out an undercover investigation to expose the sale of the drugs. Test purchases were made in Glasgow. An undercover female reporter was warned the chocolate was very strong and only to eat a third of a cake to ensure she wasn't knocked out. Detective Constable Greg Baxter from Police Scotland's Specialist Drugs Unit said, We have seen a significant increase in the number of individuals buying and selling edible cannabis products or medibles in recent years. It's a growing market. Make no mistake, this is on our radar and we are actively monitoring social media sites. Anyone caught supplying medible products should know it could result in a prison sentence. It is a controlled drug and will be treated the same way as other controlled drugs. Some of the dealers are now operating huge operations, almost like multinational companies, with managing directors and distributors. He added, It's a trend, as the use of ecstasy was once a trend. 
It means you don't need to smoke to consume the drug, which people appear to like. However, an edible chocolate bar can contain considerable levels of high-grade cannabis. As it's mixed with food, the dosage is much harder to control, and certain chunks may have greater quantities of THC. It means that medibles carry even more of a health risk than smoking the drug. Labelling these chocolate products with popular brands could make these products more appealing to a child. It looks like a treat, but it's dangerous, particularly to a young person. A spokesman for Mars Wrigley said, We strongly condemn the unlawful use of our chocolate brands on these illegal products. We will be conducting an investigation on the misuse of our branding, which is grossly irresponsible. Any commercial association between our brands and the sale of these products must cease. A Nestle spokesman added, This irresponsible and illegal act could have very serious consequences. We are extremely concerned by the misuse of our brand in this way. We are relieved to see this is now in the hands of police. We will proactively enforce our rights against the sales of these products. This article was unattributed. If you are blind or partially sighted, or know someone who is, they may be eligible to receive a BWBF Sonata Plus internet audio player, where our podcasts are available. To qualify for a free permanent loan from BWBF of a Sonata internet radio, please contact your local agent. Please note you will need to be resident in the UK, registered blind or partially sighted, over the age of eight, and in receipt of a means-tested benefit, or have a parent or guardian in receipt if you are under 18. If you think you qualify, you can find your local agent at www.blind.org.uk. And remember, when setting up the player, ask for Q and Review. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 20th of August, 2018. Govan Graving Docks owners shun ship's plan for sight. By local democracy reporter Eddie Harbinson. Repairing ships at Govan Graving Docks would dilute the area's transformation, according to the site's owner. Harry O'Donnell made the claim as he shunned suggestions of teaming up with billionaire shipping tycoon Jim McCall. Mr O'Donnell's firm, New City Vision, have applied for permission, in principle, to create up to 750 new homes, a heritage centre, office and a restaurant on the site. That's despite Scottish Environment Protection Agency, SEPA, have insisted the development would be susceptible to flooding. Earlier this year, Ferguson Marine, owned by Mr McCall, put forward alternative plans to create a ship repair station, a museum, homes and public spaces on the site. But when asked if there could be a joint application, Mr O'Donnell said, If we're talking about Jim McCall's proposal to build on our site, we've not had any discussion with anyone from his side. Our view has always been that there are a number of sites further down the Clyde that are more appropriate for what he wants to do. Both north and south of the river, we've got exciting developments coming forward. My view is putting shipbuilding in the heart of that dilutes the thrust of what we're trying to create. In April, Mr McCall's lead architect, Morris Hickey, claimed that Ferguson Marine's plans could see super yachts, passenger ferries and river taxis cruising up the Clyde. Mr Hickey insisted that upwards of £20 million would be spent on the venture, despite the site being owned by New City Vision. As part of New City Vision's plans, at least 100 of the new houses would be classed as affordable homes. There would also be plans for a hotel and a training centre for ex-offenders and those looking to get into work. But those proposals have hit a stumbling block after SEPA submitted an objection in principle, claiming that the plans may place buildings and persons at flood risk. Speaking to members of the Govan Area Partnership yesterday, Mr O'Donnell hit back claiming that he has hired experts who have challenged SEPA's findings. He said, if SEPA implies that argument across the city, nothing will be built the length of the Clyde. 
It's basically saying you can't build something 8.5 metres above water level, otherwise we're all going to work in a wetsuit. We've engaged a legal environmental team to audit the responses we've had from the SEPA and the Council's flood risk team. They have questioned the analysis and assessments. Govan is currently the subject of four major development plans. Yesterday, Drum Property Group and Social Enterprise submitted a bid to create a new £67 million social hub in Pacific Quay. Those plans include restaurants, cafes, homes and a £10 million whiskey distillery. Buchanan Wharf is being embarked as a business centre, with Barclays Bank already committing to developing a new headquarters there. And plans have been lodged to build 348 homes, commercial units and food and drink premises at Glasgow Harbour near the Transport Museum. By local democracy reporter, Eddie Harbinson. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by economist reporter, Christina Stewart. 17th of August 2018. Glasgow schools and home care could be affected as union takes first step to strike. GMB Scotland have warned that intimate action must be taken by the council or strikes affecting home care and schools will go ahead. But while the union claims the move is following the collapse of negotiations, the council said it is still in talks with Union Unite and Action for Equality Scotland, which represents women seeking compensation. GMB Scotland has more than 2,500 members in Cordia, providing around-the-clock home care for 87,000 service users and delivering catering and cleaning service in schools. It has now issued a statutory seven-day notice for a full industrial action ballot of its entire membership across Cordia service. Union representatives said the council has scrapped proposals for negotiated settlement of second wave equal pay claims with a joint claimant group. For union claims, council officers informed representatives from GMB, Unionson and Action for Equality that they will no longer work to an agreed timetable to reach a negotiated settlement. GMB Scotland organiser Leia Wolfson said we've had 17 meetings between the Joint Climate Group and Council officials since late last year and we haven't even crossed the starting line into meaningful negotiation over our member claims. Targets have been missed, deadlines have been ignored and now negotiations have been scrapped. We are no further forward to resolving these claims today than we were on the day of a meeting. This is a total failure on the part of the Council. Female co-workers are fighting for equal pay after a court found Glasgow City Council to have discriminated against them. The right has been ongoing for the past decade. Miss Robson added, While these officials continue to duck the Council's responsibility for years of discrimination, the final bill for the money stolen from our members continue to rise into hundreds of millions and possibly over a billion. The deception is shameful. Our members' patience has been exhausted. They want a fair and negotiated settlement of their equal pay claims within a responsible timescale, not some half-baked bribe for Christmas, often far less than they are owed. Without an immediate intervention from the Council's leadership, strike action in Cordia is inevitable because these women know their worth and they'll fight for what they are owed. A Council spokesman said the Council is fully committed to resolving equal pay claims. Earlier this year, the Council, GMB, Unionson, and Action for Equality Scotland signed up to negotiations and a schedule that we all agreed was likely, given the complexity of the subject, to take us to around the end of the current year. Since then, we have made undeniable and significant process end in negotiation, bringing Cordia, where most of affected staff are employed, back into council, harmonising the terms and conditions of Cordia staff, and agreeing to replace the council's entire pay and grade and structure. 
The council still want and expect to agree a settlement by the end of this year. The council remains at the table for talks with those representing claimants. This was an article written by columnist reporter Christina Stewart. The Evening Times. On Monday, the 20th of August, 2018. News. Get it up, ye. Shetland actors in hysterics as Glasgow punter yells over filming. This article by Iona Turner. Actors of the hit TV series Shetland were left in hysterics yesterday when a Glasgow punter shouted over their filming in the city. Douglas Henshaw, who plays Detective Jimmy Perez in the BBC series, and Scots actress Kate Dickey were filming on St Vincent Street in the city centre when a cheeky Glaswegian yelled, Get it up ye! in what Douglas described as the most Glasgow moment. The filming reportedly lasted five seconds more before the pair burst into fits of laughter. Douglas, originally from Barhead, shared the hilarious anecdote on his Twitter, and fans found the scenario equally as side-splitting as the duo. The actor's tweet has also racked up more than 2,000 likes and almost 350 retweets. He wrote, The most Glasgow thing I've heard in ages. We're filming on St Vincent Street in town today. Our first AD calls action, and from nowhere, time to perfection. Somebody 50 yards away shouts, get it up ye. Take last about five seconds before at Dickie Kate and me start laughing. Hashtag Shetland. One follower, actor Karen Campbell, replied to the tweet, explaining that she'd once tried to translate the same phrase to a foreigner. She said, I had to explain this exact phrase to the lovely French lady who was translating one of my novels. But what is this it? She kept asking. To which the actor replied, Ha ha ha, the entire world and everything in it. The story even jogged the memory of Taggart actor Colin McCready, who remembered his own comical story from filming in Glasgow. He said, Best one we had. Filming outside Central Station, we women asks, Are you filming a new episode or is it a repeat? Filming for the BBC One series takes place across the country, with much of it being filmed on the mainland, with previous scenes shot in Glasgow, Renfrewshire and Ayrshire. This article is by Iona Turner. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 23rd of August, 2018. Glasgow won't be flogging off the dally to cover equal pay bill. By political correspondent, Stuart Patterson. Glasgow City Council will not be selling its famous Salvador Dali painting to cover a bill for equal pay settlements. Susan Atkin, the council leader, said it is not being considered and the sale of assets is not in the council's thinking as it faces a bill of potentially hundreds of millions of pounds. Ms Atkin, in a radio interview, said the council experts to reach the settlement with the women, unions and legal representatives this year to be able to start paying out on the claims in the next financial year starting in April. She criticised her Labour predecessors for leaving others to deal with it, but couldn't put a figure on the total bill. Ms Atkin said a range of options were open to the council. However, she said, we are not discussing flogging off the dally. She said the council could consider borrowing or maximising income in order to meet the bill without selling assets or cuts to services. The council, under Ms Atkin, abandoned the long-running legal challenges to the court, ruling to pay out to thousands of women. She said she was landed with a problem. She said, Our predecessors whooshed out and kicked it on to the next person. I am the next person. We will deliver the settlement women in Glasgow deserve. While unable to state how much would be paid out, she said figures of between half a billion to one billion pounds were not accurate. She said they had been plucked out of thin air. When told it was a figure given by legal representatives of the woman, she said, He has plucked it out of thin air. By political correspondent, Stuart Patterson. This is an article from the Evening Times, written by Holly Lennon, 23rd of August, 2018. 
Search for teenagers sexually assaulted on Kamsbalang train platform. Passengers at Newton Station reported the assault to British Transport Police, but a victim is yet to be traced. At 9.45pm on July 28, a passenger also on a platform saw a man approach a woman and touch her inappropriately. Others have also contacted the force to report the matter. Officers are appealing for any other witnesses to get in touch as well as the victim. The suspect is right of slim build and had dark short hair. He had facial stubble and was wearing a black hooded top with large white Adidas logo on, black skinny ripped jeans and black shoes. Anyone of information is asked to contact BTP by sending a text 01016 or by calling 0800 40 50 40, quoting reference 180055 102, or call Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. This was an article written by Holly Lennon. The Evening Times. On Thursday, the 23rd of August, 2018. News. Glasgow traffic. Heavy showers make tricky rush hour driving conditions. This article by Maxine MacArthur. The Met Office has warned heavy showers will make driving conditions tricky for commuters making their way across Glasgow this morning. Rain is forecast until noon today, with flooding expected in some parts of southeast England. There's also a chance of hail and thunder hitting the city. It's due to clear up later on, but drivers have been warned to take care while travelling to work. However, the rain will return this evening and is expected to be particularly heavy towards Argyll. The M77 is already experiencing lengthy queues between Junction 4, Crookford Road, and Junction 2, Barhead Road, heading towards Glasgow. Those travelling to Edinburgh will experience heavy tailbacks. While the M80 southbound around Junction 1, Proven, and northbound between Junction 4, Mullinsburn and Junction 6, Old Inns, is heavily congested. The M8 westbound is also busy between Junction 13, Proven, and Junction 16, Craig Hall. While eastbound between Junction 29, St James, Junction 27, Arkelston, Junction 22, Plantation, and Junction 19, Anderston, is congested. On the M74, there are queues from Junction 2A, Fullerton Road, to Junction 1, Kingston Bridge, heading northbound. ScotRail has advised customers to grab an umbrella before leaving the house, and we think they might have a point. This article is by Maxine MacArthur. Here at Cure and Review, we're always looking for more volunteer presenters, producers and sound technicians to volunteer with us and help produce our daily talking newspapers for the blind. If you're interested, please leave a message on our answering service at 0141-772-3976 or email us at information at qandreview.com. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 21st of August, 2018. Kirsty Maxwell, Politicians Plea for More Support for Families. By Caroline Wilson. SNP MP Hannah Bardell has called on the UK government to radically improve the support it provides for the families of UK nationals that die abroad. Our plea comes on the day a new BBC documentary will be screened on the tragic death of our constituent, Kirsty Maxwell. The MP for Livingston, and chair of the All-Party Parliamentary Group, APPG, 
on deaths abroad and consular services, said the UK Foreign and Commonwealth Office, FCO, is failing families who are facing additional anxiety and stress due to inadequate information and support. She said, too often families searching for truth and justice are instead getting inadequate information and support from the UK Foreign Office, leading to additional stress and anxiety at what was already a deeply traumatic time. The tragic death of Kirsty Maxwell, who was killed in Benidorm last year, has shone a light on the unacceptable barriers that our families are currently facing. Like the family of Julie Pearson, another constituent of mine who was killed abroad, Kirsty Maxwell's family have been very badly let down. Bereaving families in a state of shock and grief often have to deal with multiple agencies and fight to get even the most basic facts about the circumstances of their loved one's deaths. It is simply not good enough. By Caroline Wilson. The Evening Times. On Thursday, the 23rd of August, 2018. Sport. Rangers. Players aren't at any increased risk of injury on artificial pitches and can pass the AstroTurf test by doing the 11+. This is an exclusive article by Matthew Lindsay, Chief Football Writer. There is no compelling scientific evidence that suggests that footballers are at increased risk of suffering serious injuries on artificial surfaces. It was revealed by one of Scotland's leading knee specialists yesterday. But studies have shown football that clubs can more than half the chances of their players being sidelined on AstroTurf by altering their pre-match warm-up routine and embracing the FIFA 11 Plus programme, the expert told. Rangers yesterday confirmed that their winger Jamie Murphy has been ruled out for the remainder of the season after sustaining an anterior cruciate ligament, ACL, injury in the Betfred Cup game against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park on Sunday. Both Steven Gerrard, the Ibrox club's manager, and James Tavernier, their captain, have suggested the synthetic pitch at the Ayrshire ground was responsible. And the SPFL have come under increased pressure to review their long-standing policy on their member clubs having artificial surfaces in the wake of the Murphy incident. However, John Deering, a consultant orthopaedic surgeon who is based at Ross Hall Hospital in Glasgow, stresses that extensive medical research has shown that players are just as likely to suffer serious knee injuries playing grass. Deering, who is one of only two surgeons in the country who holds a specialist qualification in sports and exercise medicine, complained that clubs can significantly reduce the risk of injury on AstroTurf by tailoring their pre-match warm-ups. There is no good evidence that with the current 3G pitches there is any increased risk of injury, he said. There are a number of studies which have looked at whether there is an increased risk of cruciate ligament injuries, ankle injuries and all injuries associated with artificial pitches. Overall, there is no good evidence that, with normal football boots versus blades, artificial pitches increase the risk of lower limb injury. The footwear the player wears can be an influence. It used to be said that blades increased torsion of the knee, and certainly in the older pitches that was true, but there isn't such strong evidence that this is still the case with new 3G pitches. Deering added, People draw an association rather than causation. You see a professional athlete getting injured on an artificial surface and then, as was the case with Steven Gerrard, somebody says it's because of the pitch. Well, no. These things just happen. There are lots and lots of professional football and rugby players who get cruciate ligament injuries and they aren't playing on artificial turf. Some studies have shown that if you're playing on a slightly hard, uneven surface, as you would in the pitches down in England at the moment, that there's a greater risk than artificial pitches. It isn't cut and dry. Deering feels that more football clubs in Scotland should be following the lead of their rugby counterparts and taking simple measures to prevent players from suffering serious injuries. Clubs should be doing more to mitigate against lower limb injury, he said. For the last five or six years there has been really, really strong evidence that doing specific warm-up drills reduces lower limb injury by between 30 and 60%. FIFA have something called the FIFA 11 Plus drill, 
As far as 10 years ago, there was a programme in America called PEP, preventing injury and enhanced performance. Rugby players have really taken this on board. The SRU now has a programme based on that. It's not really that clear how well that's been taken up by footballers, but I see a lot of lower league and junior players who just don't do this. We don't look after our athletes. In Scotland, we can't afford to hemorrhage talent at a young age. There are steps which can be taken to reduce the risk of lower limb injury. And if you're doing that, then it doesn't matter what surface you're playing on. The difficulty is with people listening. Often older managers are of the opinion that we've always done it like this. See, so see, yes, but you've always had injuries. The reason FIFA pushed this is if you have a player who's on £50,000 a week and he's out for a year, that's a lot of money to be spending on somebody who isn't doing anything. If you can reduce the risk of that happening by a third to two thirds, that's a lot of money to be saved. Deering admitted that artificial surfaces had been shown to increase ankle strains, which in turn can lead to serious knee injuries, but suggested that a bespoke warm-up can prevent that. The ACL injury that Michael Owen suffered at the 2006 World Cup was a nothing incident. He just kind of folded. But if you look back, you'll see that a minute or so earlier, he'd just gone over on his ankle. His balance was impaired and he suffered a failure as he was trying to push off. But the likelihood of suffering an ankle injury is also reduced by proper conditioning and warm-up. All lower limb injuries are reduced by doing that so you can mitigate against them. This exclusive article was by Matthew Lindsay, Chief Football Writer. Evening Times. Sport. Recorded on the 17th of August, 2018. Steven Gerrard tells heroic Rangers performance after Europa League triumph against Maribor. By group senior sports writer, Christopher Jack. Steven Gerrard tells a heroic performance from his Rangers players as they progressed to the Europa League playoff round with a goalless draw against Maribor. The Gerrards made a trip to Slovenia with a 3-1 aggregate lead following a deserved win at Ibrox last Thursday night. And Gerrard's side turned a terrific showing to set up a meeting with Russia side UFA following their win over Progress Niederkorn. Gerrard said, over the two legs we deserve to go through and we've just knocked a Champions League side out of the Europa League. Considering we are so new as a staff and team, there have been a lot of changes and we have some issues with injuries and trying to get one or two over the line. If you look at the big picture, my players were incredible tonight. We expected them to come even more in the second half as time was running out. And we were getting more joy at the other end and created one or two little opportunities we might have capitalised on and got the goal I was talking about. But I have no criticism of my team today. Defensively, we were heroic. The challenges are harder because the players are better we're coming up against as we progress in this competition. So they deserve even more credit tonight. Rangers had to withstand spells of heavy pressure as Maribor piled forward in search of a route back into the game. Keeper Alan McGregor pulled a string of superb stops to keep the hosts at bay and then saved a Marcos Tavares penalty in the final minutes. Gerrard said, I'm not sure there are words to describe him after a performance like that. The save before the penalty was world class and then to stand big and get his team a clean sheet after all the work they had put in to contribute towards the clean sheet, Alan McGregor was man of the match. Gerrard insisted after the first leg last week that the second 45 minutes was the finest performance of his Ibrox reign to date. But the Light Blues arguably surpassed that showing as they stood firm to overcome a significant challenge in Slovenia. Gerrard said, It's important the players enjoy us and we have time to rest and recover. We're going to play a Russian team and that is another challenge. But my players should take confidence from where they have got to so far and I have confidence that we can go and finish off the job of qualification. I know you'll get certain people who might criticise in terms of our possession or creativity, but what you have to understand is that when we are at Ibrox, we can show style and press high and put on a show, like we did in the first leg, 
like we did against St Mirren before going a man down. But then when a different challenge comes, you have to stay strong, resolute and show a different side. I felt we did that and showed we are a tough nut to crack. Rangers spurned a couple of chances that could have made their night easier as the clock ticked down in Slovenia. But Gerrard was delighted with the defensive resolve the Light Blues showed as they stood up to be counted once again. He said, I'm pleased because there are two sides to this team and you have to have two sides. Where we are at the moment, there is no way we can come here and go and press. We are coming to a Champions League venue and we are taking a high calibre of player with a 2-0 lead. There is no reason to go and press and go gung-ho and take unnecessary risks. It was their responsibility to come and beat us. They were the favourites. They were confident. They had all the ego and all the media. It was their responsibility to break us down and they couldn't. By Group Senior Sports Writer, Christopher Jack. Remember, this programme is just a fraction of what we produce. You can access more daily content online via our website, qandreview.com forward slash free podcasts for free daily podcasts of the Evening Times and Herald Scotland newspapers, weekly digests of the National Newspaper and weekly full readings of Inside Soap magazine. Now, back to the main programme. The Evening Times, on Thursday, the 23rd of August, 2018. Opinion. Libby MacArthur, can you imagine life with a disability? This article by Caroline Wilson. It's hard for any one of us so-called able-bodied folk to really imagine what it would be like living with a disability. I recently met someone with extraordinary problem-solving abilities, making them so adept at negotiating a world that doesn't cater for them that even as we discussed his sight loss over coffee, on seeing a kilted man with a window box hat complete with flour, I still exclaimed, Would you look at that guy? Stephen Sutherland lost his sight as a baby. He'd spent a few years in his teens hiding away, lacking confidence that society was equipped to deal with his disability. Listening to this bold, brilliant boy, it begged the question, whose disability is it? He started out as a volunteer at the Carlton Day Centre, but soon felt he wanted to explore an idea of his own to help the visually impaired community integrate more fully in life. I told him it all reminded me of a wee deaf boy I saw signing on a post on Facebook. He asked why the children in his class are all learning French and German when there are no French or Germans in the class. He says, now if they learn to sign then they could all speak my language because I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Inspired by the RNIB ethos that the service users have the best expertise needed to design products and services, he told me about his passion for a wider perception around disability and about how he'd applied to the US Embassy in London to their cultural affairs office for a place on the Joe Cox Memorial Exchange. The invite was for young people to apply for the opportunity to join an international team in America and explore programmes that are promoting tolerance and inclusion in communities and schools. His pitch to them lasted only three minutes, but two weeks later he found out he was on board. I first heard about Stephen after he came home from America with an idea to engage the Glasgow Speakers Club to teach six other young registered blind people public speaking, as my brother John is the vice president of the club. In partnership with the RNIB, sponsored by the American Embassy and supported by the City Council, the seven of them were given a room at the City Chambers for free and booked eight sessions with the club to do a public speaking course. When I think about just how much I try to read and interact with my audience, I'm so impressed by this group. Stephen told me that apart from a few adjustments like the countdown for Time Up having to be changed from a light to an audio cue, it's all going great. With only a few more sessions to go, these newly trained orators will soon be off to speak at the Parliament. 
Subjects will include accessibility issues for people with disability, the use of guide dogs, and of course the best ways that we might further promote inclusion and accommodate those of us living with a disability. This event is on September the 10th and is called Sound of Vision, and I've been invited along. I'll keep you posted. And finally, you know your old when you find your glasses in the fridge. This article was by Caroline Wilson. The Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 20th of August, 2018. Govan Graving Docks owners shun ship's plan for site. By local democracy reporter, Eddie Harbinson. Repairing ships at Govan Graving Docks would dilute the area's transformation, according to the site's owner. Harry O'Donnell made the claim as he shunned suggestions of teaming up with billionaire shipping tycoon Jim McCall. Mr O'Donnell's firm, New City Vision, have applied for permission, in principle, to create up to 750 new homes, a heritage centre, office and a restaurant on the site. That's despite Scottish Environment Protection Agency, SEPA, have insisted the development would be susceptible to flooding. Earlier this year, Ferguson Marine, owned by Mr McCall, put forward alternative plans to create a ship repair station, a museum, homes and public spaces on the site. But when asked if there could be a joint application, Mr O'Donnell said, If we're talking about Jim McCall's proposal to build on our site, we've not had any discussion with anyone from his side. Our view has always been that there are a number of sites further down the Clyde that are more appropriate for what he wants to do. Both north and south of the river, we've got exciting developments coming forward. My view is putting shipbuilding in the heart of that dilutes the thrust of what we're trying to create. In April, Mr McCall's lead architect, Morris Hickey, claimed that Ferguson Marine's plans could see super yachts, passenger ferries and river taxis cruising up the Clyde. Mr Hickey insisted that upwards of £20 million would be spent on the venture, despite the site being owned by New City Vision. As part of New City Vision's plans, at least 100 of the new houses would be classed as affordable homes. There would also be plans for a hotel and a training centre for ex-offenders and those looking to get into work. But those proposals have hit a stumbling block after SEPA submitted an objection in principle, claiming that the plans may place buildings and persons at flood risk. Speaking to members of the Govan Area Partnership yesterday, Mr O'Donnell hit back claiming that he has hired experts who have challenged SEPA's findings. He said, if SEPA implies that argument across the city, nothing will be built the length of the Clyde. It's basically saying you can't build something 8.5 metres above water level, otherwise we're all going to work in a wetsuit. We've engaged a legal environmental team to audit the responses we've had from SEPA and the council's flood risk team. They have questioned the analysis and assessments. Govan is currently the subject of four major development plans. Yesterday, Drum Property Group and Social Enterprise submitted a bid to create a new £67 million social hub in Pacific Quay. Those plans include restaurants, cafes, homes and a £10 million whiskey distillery. Buchanan Wharf is being embarked as a business centre, with Barclays Bank already committing to developing a new headquarters there. And plans have been lodged to build 348 homes, commercial units and food and drink premises at Glasgow Harbour near the Transport Museum. By local democracy reporter, Eddie Harbinson. The Evening Times, on Monday the 20th of August 2018. News. Eastern Bartonshire Council to use glyphosate-based weed killers despite landmark US court case. This article unattributed. Eastern Martinshire Council has confirmed it will continue to use glyphosate-based weed killers despite a landmark court case in America. Chemicals company Monsanto, which manufactures Roundup and other herbicide products, was ordered to pay former groundskeeper Dwayne Johnson $289 million in damages after jurors in San Francisco determined his terminal cancer was caused by the chemicals he worked with. Monsanto intends to appeal the ruling and continues to deny any link between glyphosate and cancer. 
It faces another 4,000 court cases across America. Yvonne Bauer, strategic lead place and community planning, said Eastern Bartonshire Council currently utilises weed control products which have glyphosate as their active ingredient. No policy decision has been taken on the continued use of glyphosate products by the council, but we will continue to monitor the information being provided by the relevant industry advisory groups on safe use of chemicals. Beth Webb, policy manager at Soil Association Scotland, said This is a dramatic blow to the future use of glyphosate, which affirms the 2015 decision of the International Agency for Research on Cancer, the World Health Organization's cancer agency, which found glyphosate to be a probable carcinogen. We need to urgently change our systems of weed control to stop relying on herbicides. It was disturbing in this case to hear that Monsanto had knowledge of the potentially harmful effects, but the court case also really highlights the problem with relying on chemical pesticides globally, as so little is known about the long-term environmental and health impacts. We continue to call to our stop to spraying this chemical on crops at harvest time and to its use in parks and gardens, and for a thorough rethink of pesticide regulations. In June, Monsanto was taken over by German firm Bayer in a merger deal worth over $60 billion. In a statement, Bayer said, Bayer is confident, based on the strength of the science, the conclusions of regulators around the world and decades of experience, that glyphosate is safe for use and does not cause cancer when used according to labelling. This article was unattributed. Evening Times. News. Recorded on the 22nd of August, 2018. Pope's visit an opportunity to end the cover-ups, from the Evening Times Online. The Pope's visit to Ireland is an opportunity to end the cover-up of abuse, Sinn Féin's Vice President said. Michelle O'Neill will not be able to attend any of this weekend's event after she broke her leg in an accident. She recognised the visit's significance for all Catholics. We must specifically acknowledge the damage done by the Catholic Church to the lives of many women and children in the mother and baby homes, the Magdalene laundries and a succession of abuse scandals and cover-ups. The visit of Pope Francis is an opportunity to address these issues, to meet with victims and survivors, to fully acknowledge their suffering and the damage done, to end the cover-ups and to commit to full redress, north and south. Nuri and Armagh Assembly member Conor Murphy will deputise for the party's vice president at this weekend's events. Mrs O'Neill added, Mrs O'Neill added, The visit of Pope Francis can and should contribute to the new and positive relationship which has been developing between the Irish state and the Catholic Church. From the Evening Times Online. The Evening Times, on Thursday, the 23rd of August, 2018. News. Orange Order refused to re-parade away from church, forcing council to impose new routes. This article by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. The Orange Order has refused to reroute a parade away from the church where a priest was allegedly attacked and faces having a new route imposed on it. Following the incident in July outside St Alphonsus Church in Calton, the Orange Order agreed with the City Council to postpone the next march that was due to pass the church earlier this month. The march was due instead to take place this Saturday, but the organisers have failed to agree a route with the Council. The Council asked for it to be rerouted to avoid going past St Alphonsus, but the Orange Order refused and wanted to parade past the church. Now councillors on a specially convened public processions committee will be asked to impose a route which will not include St Alphonsus, where Canon Tom White was allegedly lunged at by a man with a baton and shouted abuse at by followers of the march in July. A senior council source said, Parades are again a national and political issue because of the behaviour at an orange parade outside this specific church. 
It's beyond disappointing that the organisers of this orange parade have refused the reasonable request to reroute their march away from St Alphonsus. This is a reasonable request and isn't about creating no-go areas. It's about exercising some responsibility in relation to the specific tensions which exist here following last month's incident at St Alphonsus. Other parading groups have displayed it, so why can't this Orange Lodge? What the area, indeed the city, needs is some breathing space, a period of calm for all partners to honestly discuss the impact of all parades in the city and how to move forward constructively in a way which protects the right to parade alongside the rights of local communities too. Councillors are being asked to impose the following conditions on the march by Orange and Purple District 37. Conditions councillors are being asked to improve include The procession will assemble in Tullis Street at 10.00 hours and start at 10.30 hours. The route to be taken is Tullis Street, Main Street, McKeith Street, James Street, The Green, New Hall Street, Dunn Street, London Road, Bridgeton Cross, James Street, McKeith Street, Main Street, Tullis Street and then disperse. While there are no services on a Saturday at the church, it is open to parishioners during the day, and Police Scotland had concerns over public safety if the march passed the church. A council spokesman said, Glasgow City Council has been unable to reach agreement with Orange and Purple District 37 on a procession due to take place this Saturday. This procession had previously been due to take place on July the 21st, but was postponed following the incident outside St Alphonsus Church on July the 7th. Officers asked the organiser to change their proposed route to take the procession away from St Alphonsus Church due to community concerns and police advice regarding the potential for disorder, but this request was refused. As a result, a meeting of the Public Processions Committee has been called to rule on the proposed march. A report by officials recommends that members reroute the procession away from St Alphonsus. The Grand Orange Lodge of Scotland has been contacted for comments. This article is by Stuart Patterson, political correspondent. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Evening Times. This weekly talking newspaper digest was a Q and Review recording service production. The readers were volunteers at Q and Review, and the producer was Jordan Duncan. Q and Review Recording Service Limited is a registered Scottish charity, number SC zero one eight zero one six. Our registered office is at eighteen Crowhill Road, Bishop Briggs. Glasgow, G641QY. Remember, you can always get in contact with us by email at information at qandreview.com or by leaving us a message on our answering service at 0141 772 3976.